Welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast with Stephanie Lee. On this show, we're going to talk about the experiences of high-achieving women and men across industries and lifestyles who are at about the midpoint in their career and are no longer satisfied to let life happen to them. Together, we're going to purposely create the second half of our lives by addressing burnout and overwork, by getting clarity on how we're creating the experiences of our lives, including how we're keeping ourselves stuck, by articulating what it is we want for the second half of our lives and identifying a plan to achieve it. Hello, and welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. This week will be a little bit different from other episodes that I've done before in that I am going to focus on a book. You know, they talk about if you're not finding sort of what you want in the world, that you should create it for yourself. And so I decided last month to really quite spontaneously, and I guess I just simply put it out on the on Facebook, I decided to start a, a book club to take a look at books that are sort of personal development, what we used to call self-help or personal development adjacent kind of books. And I was looking for this because there is so much in my TBR pile, my to be read list, you know, on Goodreads or um, whatever, literally at a stack on my counter that, um, that I wanted to read, but I kind of intuitively knew that I would have a different experience of reading these books get some added accountability by reading them with other people. And so I have some of you following me now on social media and certainly on the podcast. And so I just simply put it out into the world, um, essentially that I was going to be reading Life in Five Senses by Gretchen Rubin and did others want to join me? Um, and for this first one, I actually did reach out to Gretchen's team and see if she would be willing to join us for a conversation which was, you know, a big ask and that didn't happen. But um, during the pandemic, I was part of a romance book club. I wish I could remember the name of an independent bookstore in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And of course, they're a bookstore, so they have a little bit more pull than just I do. But they invited the authors to come. And so since everything was virtual during the pandemic, we had these great discussions with maybe eight readers and the author of the books that we were reading. And some of them were, were really just incredible. I love to hear about writing and the writing process and sort of the behind the scenes pieces of it. And so I wanted an opportunity to, to touch base with the writer as well. So actually that's something I'm going to continue as we, as we kind of go ahead and have a few more reads in our book club. And we're just going to continue this as long as it works and is, is good for everybody. I'm going to continue reaching out to the writers because, you know, maybe somebody does is willing to join us for a conversation because I do think that can be just so much fun. And so a little bit about how book club worked in case you're interested or just to give you some context. So I did it as a Facebook group for the specific book for the month of June. So I'm doing another one for a book in July. We're looking at Bittersweet by Susan Kane. And it's, um, you know, there's a lot of overlap between the previous group, but not everyone in the previous group has joined this next group. And there are some new people in this next group that weren't in the Life in Five Senses group. And obviously, I couldn't have picked more different books. And Bittersweet does not in many ways feel like a summer read. Um, it's a very different tone 
in our in our book club, but I think it's also an important read. So I will I will do an episode talking about bittersweet as well. But wanted to spend this one talking about life in five senses and for our month in June, I posted things in the Facebook group like prompts. I used some of the readers group questions from the back of the book that the author had provided or the publisher had provided um, and created some questions of my own. And we just had a discussion. And it's so enriched, I think, for each of us, what the book brought to our lives by having the opportunity to share it together. And then at the end of the month, a couple of us that were able to get our schedules to align jumped on Zoom for about an hour and had a conversation about the book. And it was so much fun. I met two women I did not know, and we had a great time for about an hour talking about uh, the impact of the book and what we enjoyed and how we enjoyed sharing the book with other people as well. So now I want to share a little bit about our conversation with you. And so this won't be a book report. I'm not going to summarize the book for you. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about sort of my takeaways from the book and how the discussion of the book impacted me and how it aligns with some of the things that I talk about on this podcast as well. So again, this was Life in Five Senses by Gretchen Rubin. And you may be familiar with, and I'm going to refer to her as Gretchen by her first name because this is not a scholarly project. So I'm going to refer to her as Gretchen. She also has a podcast called The Happier Podcast with her sister, Liz Craft, and she's been doing that podcast for years. And and honestly, I have not listened to it the last few years, but there's something about a podcast where you do feel like you know the podcaster. And in fact, Gretchen posted an article about this recently, where the idea being that the voice of a podcaster, because of how we listen to podcasts in many cases with AirPods or other earbuds, it comes from inside our own head. And it creates a sense of familiarity that we don't get when we're reading a book in print, for example. So anyway, I do have that sense that I know Gretchen. I know I don't know Gretchen, but I will talk about her as if I know her. Because I do think some of the ways that she shows up in the world are very interesting and inspiring as well. So she's a former attorney. She actually clerked for Sandra Day O'Connor at the Supreme Court. And she went on to become a writer. She wanted to be, if I understood her story correctly, and this is from this is from Dax Shepard's interview with her on the Armchair Expert podcast. It's a great long form, maybe two hour interview with Gretchen, really about all of her work, as well as Life and Five Senses in particular. She always knew she wanted to be a writer. And like many writers, she went to law school. And so at first she practiced law and she moved later in life into writing and has written a number of books, the most recent collection of which really center on happiness. The first one, I believe, was called The Happiness Project, and she's done a happiness at home book, which was actually how I discovered her, as well as written a book called The Four Tendencies, which is about what, what causes us to show up for different things in our life, be it external motivation or internal motivation or even rebelling against both of those sort of internal and external structures. So her work, again, centers all around this idea of happiness. And so she came to this discussion of life in five senses through her lens specifically of happiness. And this is in the introductory portion of the book. But So I said I wasn't going to be a book report, but I am going to share this with you. So Gretchen went to her eye doctor 
And as she was leaving, the eye doctor told her to be careful and be sure to let them know if she experienced any any problem with her vision because she is very, very nearsighted and has a higher risk of retinal detachment. And apparently the doctor said this in passing and it wasn't something that Gretchen was aware of. And so it sort of hit her upside the head, this sort of shocking feeling of, you know, the implications of retinal detachment and what it might be like to lose her vision. And so as she walked home in New York City from her doctor's office, she noticed and saw the things around her in a new and profound way because of this thought, I could lose this one day. This is a precious sense that I have been taking for granted that I could lose one day. And as she does, as is her practice, she takes something like this, which she is chewing on personally, and she begins to research it. And then somewhere down the line, it becomes a book. Somewhere at the beginning, I don't know, perhaps she decides, you know, this is going to be my next book. And then she begins that research. And that's actually one of the things that I most enjoyed in the book itself was her description of some of the research that she did to prepare her to write the book. So again, if you're familiar with any of her writing, you'll know that she has created rules for herself that come from her work into happiness that sort of guide how she plans to show up in the world. And one of those is to be Gretchen. And so she has learned and studied herself and knows what her preferences are and chooses to honor those where she can, to be aware of them and to show up in ways that she knows are going to make her happy. And she enjoys research and she loves reading about things that she's interested in. So when she, when she feels that compulsion, she allows herself to dig into that. And that's part of her taking care of herself, which I love, I think is awesome. Because it's not a, you know, it's not the self-care that we think about in terms of like a mani-pedi or massage, right? This is caring for herself in an intellectual capacity. It's causing her to, to work, to do things like research that other people might think are a real drag but she knows are stimulating to her mind and her life. So this is what she does. And so among the things that she did to prepare for writing this book were take a perfume class. So Life in Five Senses, and I should have said this perhaps at the outset, is a deep dive into each of our five senses. And so she took a perfume class and learned about how senses are composed and what the various scents are that go into the development of different perfumes. And she learned to smell and identify different scents. And then she also took some a tasting class and, I, and, I, and learned to do some of that as well. So this wasn't just a superficial reading about her topic. She really dove in and had some personal experiences and did some personal experiments with the topic that she was working on. And it's clear from hearing her interviewed about this book that the content was not only something that she dove into to produce the book. It was something that she dove into to find ways for this to become a part of her and to enrich her life. And I related to that because the work that I do here on the podcast, which is, you know, my, my tiny little corner of the universe. So I don't want to, to be as if I'm comparing what I'm doing to what Gretchen Rubin has done. But I share with you things that, that enrich my life, 
that have brought value to me that make me, um, you know, have a more enjoyable or deeper or um, different experience of my own humanity. Um, but that I intend to have stick with me for a while. I don't just share them for you. I share them for me as well. And so that's that's my sense of Gretchen when I'm reading her work is that she very much wrote this book for herself as much as for other readers. So the first thing, and I wish I had a hard copy of the book that would hold it up. It's actually just a very physically striking and beautiful book because it is about the senses. She's integrated a lot of color into the cover. Um, and it's just simply very beautiful. I read it on Kindle because I read most things on Kindle. Um, and there really was just no justification to buy a hard copy of the book. But I did have the opportunity when I was flying to pick it up in one of the, you know, airport Hudson bookstores. And I flipped through it. And she has quotes that she has collected that are really loosely adjacent to the book's topic that are all within the covers and the first few pages in the front and in the back of the book. Very thoughtfully curated quotes. The book also has not only the narrative of the book itself, but appendices at the end where it's like there was so much more she wanted to tell the reader, but at some point she couldn't put it into the body of the book, so she added it in appendices. So in addition to a chapter about each of the five senses, she included guides in the back and questions for the readers and the reader's guide about each of the five senses. And then a whole section on sort of experiments or ways that you might dive more deeply into your own five senses within the book as well. So they're just lists, bulleted lists for each sense of things that you could do in addition to the things that she discusses within the narrative. It would be so easy to overlook, particularly actually in the Kindle edition, because you have to sort of find these things at the end. Um, but I loved it. And it's certainly things that I hope that I will go back to and try out even now after I'm done with this book, right? She also has some um, exercises that she's included descriptions about at the end of the book. And I'll, I'll circle back around on those, but when I share those with you all as well. So why did I pick this book for the book club? Um, so something that has been impactful for me, and I know I've talked about it on the podcast several times, but something that has become very impactful for me is finding more ways to get inside my own body. And this is going to just sound terribly whatever to some of you, and that's totally fine. But for me, what I have found and what I have learned is how much we tend to live in our heads. We're thinking. Generally, we're thinking about the past or we're thinking about the future, but we're not thinking about the present moment that we're living in right now. And how much we tend to ignore what's going on around us. And so one way to get into the present, to get into our physical bodies, is to notice with each of our five senses what we can experience in the world around us right now. And so this is something that I do most every morning that I'm home in town when I walk our dog. I will go outside, walk the dog. We're outside usually for between 10 and 20 minutes. And during that time, I will maybe more than once, but at least once, circle through each of my five senses and just see what's there. And so 
this for me is going to be basically the same walk every morning, but I'm going to notice first, because I kind of go top down, what do I hear? So where we live, I'm going to hear cars and traffic. I can probably in the early morning, if it's quiet enough, I can actually hear the interstate traffic about a mile away. I may hear there are a lot of restaurants close by and there are a lot of dumpsters being dumped that time in the morning. So not always, you know, soothing sounds. I'll usually also hear birds and some animal sounds, maybe some voices from people who are getting started with their day. And then what do I see? And there's so much to take in. One of the ways that I do this is I will think about what do I, what do I see that is blue and green? Because most often, and actually, even if I'm walking the dog in the early, early morning hours when it's still dark out, usually I can still see the green in the trees and in the grass. And so I'll make note, particularly as the seasons change, of the green that's around me and of the blue in the sky, minimally. And then what do I smell? Well, I said that there were restaurants around, so I will often smell the restaurants beginning to cook in the early morning. Uh, every once in a while, you can tell when someone has burned something, uh, and I can smell that. Sometimes it's the scent of rain, whatever's just simply in the air. Um, other times, and this is one of my favorites, you can sort of smell where people are doing their laundry. So as I'm walking around our building, you know, the dryer vents or whatever are coming out of the building, and I can smell dryer sheets or laundry detergent. Um, and that's, that's one of my favorites as I'm, as I'm walking around. It just smells fresh and clean. And then what do I taste? Well, usually it's going to be like toothpaste or something, right? Um, not terribly exciting, but then what do I feel? And so I really enjoy feeling the temperature on my skin, on my exposed skin generally in the morning. Um, it's either warm or a little cool. Feeling that very intentionally and then feeling the breeze or the wind even that's, that's around me um, and just being still enough on that walk that I can enjoy, enjoy that feeling of uh, being surrounded by whatever temperature is outside. It's really enjoyable. And what I have found is a few things. It calms me down. It's a wonderful way to begin my morning, which for so many of us can feel very rushed and amped up. It's a great way to begin my morning in a very soothing fashion. It clears my mind in a wonderful way. In fact, it's an exercise that I describe and include in one of the freebies that I make available on my website um, as a way to how, how to get some mental space is to use this exercise of really getting present with where we are and when we are and the time that we're in. And another thing that it has brought to me is that I look forward to walking the dog in the early morning because this is just such a pleasant experience. But it has also made me feel more connected to the physical place of where I live and where I am. You know, you get far more in tune with the sights and sounds and smells, as I said, of the area in which you live when you're really paying attention to them on at least a daily basis. So I certainly enjoy it for that. And because I have been having that experience and wanted to find other ways that I could use my five senses to be more in my body and in my present physical experience. When I saw that this book was coming out, I was really attracted to it. And I thought, you know, this is something I would really enjoy. But I also know my tendency to stack books up on my to-be-read pile 
virtually or figuratively or whatever, and not go back and read them. And so I wanted the opportunity to read it with some others. And so fortunately, when I put it out into the world, others of you were interested in reading this book along with me. So one of the things that she did was she included some scientific facts about the senses. And as I, because I very intentionally preparing for this podcast, didn't want to go back through the book and sort of summarize the highlights that I had made notes about or actually highlighted in the text. I wanted to tell you what stuck out to me now, a couple of weeks after having finished the book. And what I found was that each of the scientific facts that stuck out to me had something to do with the sense of smell, which was very interesting because I think probably most of us would say that smell is, is not a dominant sense for us. So a couple of things that she shared that I thought were interesting. Our nostrils smell things differently. So, and I thought this was total crap. I'll put that politely when I read it. It seemed impossible that actually my nostrils would smell things differently. But my husband will often, when he opens a new bag of coffee beans, he'll, you know, stand there and sniff the bag and then he'll come bring the bag to me so that I can also smell the wonderful smell of coffee. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try this out. So I covered one nostril and inhaled and then did the same in the other. And I could tell a difference. I would have a hard time describing to you now how I could tell a difference between what I could smell through each nostril, but I would encourage you to try it. And I would encourage you to try it with something like coffee beans that you kind of smell on a regular basis, maybe your own perfume or a lotion or something scented that you use and notice how you smell things differently if you do too on either side. So that's just neat. Something else that was interesting to me that I learned about smell through her book was when perfumeries or these different companies are crafting scents, such as a perfume, for most scents, there is a little something stinky in there as well. And so we, we tend to think about, you know, the perfumes and the, these things as being an all good scent, but in order for that scent to be a, a fully rounded out scent, there is something incorporated. And she listed a number of the things, which I cannot recall for you offhand, but all of which sounded frankly gross, that are incorporated as little notes within that scent. And I think that's a metaphor. And I'm going to come back to that again later, but I thought that was very interesting as well. The other thing that I found interesting that I had observed and knew, but had not ever probably put words to, was the extent to which scent fades. You know, we can't smell, and she talked about this in the book, we can't really smell our own homes. We come into our homes, you know, let's say every day, most days, and unless you're away from your home for a couple of weeks, you can't really smell it. So I think about the times when I, and I know you've had these experiences as well, when you go in someone's home and you can really smell their pet. And you think, how do they live in this every day? Well, the truth is they don't smell it. And so I know you know where this is going because I talk about having a dog, right? You begin to wonder, does my home smell like our pet? And the answer to that is probably. But you know what? He makes us happy and we're in our home the majority of the time. And as much as I do want our home to be a welcoming place to our friends and family, um, you know, we, we will do what we can. But the reality is it's, it's the dog's home too. And so if it smells a little bit like him, that just has to be okay. And the reality is we can't smell it. But that was one of those things that was a little bit harrowing was that, you know, to realize the extent to which you think, you know, oh, well, my home, I have a pet, but my home doesn't smell like 
armpit. Uh, and you think, maybe that's actually not true. Um, but it's a gift that we can't continue to smell it. But other things that you lose your sense of smell of as well, I really thought it was limited to me. So I enjoy a particular type of reed diffuser. And I love the way that it smells, but I can never smell it. In fact, there's one sitting in the corner of this room right now. I smelled it when I put it in here and that was it. I haven't smelled it since. And I have been thinking that I couldn't smell it because we have high ceilings in all of these rooms. But the reality is my brain normalizes it and checks it out. So I'm not going to smell something in this space unless it's a departure from that. It's a departure from the usual and then I'll begin to smell it again. So that was intriguing. So a couple of my takeaways from reading this book were all of the inputs that are going on around us and what felt to me like purposefully drowning those things out and shutting those things out to go about doing whatever I was doing. So you don't notice the birds singing. You don't notice the color of the sky. You don't notice the scent on the breeze of the laundry detergent or of the flowers or whatever the thing is, we tend to block those things out because we're so focused on whatever it is we're doing at the moment. And what would it look like to take moments throughout our day just to be more present with those things? I want more of that. Gretchen described how that made her feel more connected to the people in her lives and more present and vital within her life. And I think that sounds amazing. And I want more of that too. It was great to read this book in a group of others. One of the women in the group, and I don't have permission or I would share some more details, but she is a mom of two. And she described different ways that she told her kids about the book. When one, one child is a teenager and I think the other might be eight or nine, she told her kids about the book and they had different like experiments and things that they noticed related to their senses and different ways that they were intentional about bringing scent into their home. And it was just amazing because Gretchen is so wired to do experiments and to, you know, play with things and to talk about what she did and record that in the book. But then we had these other folks within the group who were doing things as well, who were running their own experiments with their senses and tasting different things and sharing this with their friends and their family. And then we're describing it within the group. And that was just so amazing. One of the takeaways from me was the extent to which we can really purposefully use our senses to be grounded in the present moment, to be grounded in our own physical bodies, and to increase our sense of awe and wonder. So after finishing this book in the first part of July, um, in fact, one of the one of the, the friends of mine that's been a friend for a long time, but who was also within the group, uh, she and her husband and child came down to visit for the weekend. And we went to Immersive Monet. And this is something that in the early days of the group, I think Gretchen had been to it and she described it. And then some folks in the group had had been to these experiences as well. Uh, and if you have not been or heard about it, what it is, is essentially they have taken, these are exhibitions and it's, they're on tour and they go into the, the big cities in the U.S. and all over the world. But they're exhibitions of, in this case, Monet's artwork. And so they have three main exhibits, one of which was a, um, they had essentially remade his home office and studio. And you walked through that and, and were able to observe some of his paintings. They had created one of his paintings as a um, exhibit that you walked into, almost as if it were a world that they had created, sort of like a Disney World type thing. And then the third room was displays of his artwork set to music and with 
a little bit of geography and place overlaid um, and lighting. Uh, and it was about 30 or 45 minutes of his different works of art and different series set up against the backdrops of where they happened and different seasons within his life when he was doing those paintings. Um, and it was just so, I mean, it wasn't fully immersive. You know, you were, you were truly bathed within the artwork and experiencing it with more than just your visual sense. And now somebody who is, um, you know, has a more sophisticated understanding of art, I, I suspect may not enjoy this type of exhibit, but I am a, I'm a complete novice when it comes to art. It's not something that I truly know anything about. And so it was great. It was a delight. I felt like it was a little bit of art for dummies, um, but also terribly enjoyable. Uh, and now I'm, now I'm excited to go to Immersive Van Gogh when that comes to town. And in fact, um, they'll be having yoga classes in the Immersive Van Gogh exhibit. So that's something that I can certainly see myself doing one morning. Um, but this was an activity that we chose, or at least I was eager to participate in for sure, because of the discussion in Life in Five Senses that resulted from reading the book. So I mentioned that there were a couple of activities that Gretchen des uh, described in the back of the book and her appendices that I wanted to touch on briefly with you. You've all heard, I'm sure, about a daily gratitude journal. And one of the activities that Gretchen suggested was taking time at the end of each day to write down, you know, the most salient experience you had of each of your five senses. And I've only done this once. But what I noticed immediately was there are things that I experience each day, such as those first few sips of a cup of coffee that are both a smell and a taste experience. But how often do I rush through that and not savor it? And if it's actually going to be one of my most salient taste and smell experiences during the day, I want to savor it. And it's okay that it's a routine experience. I'm not going to smell something wonderful every day. In fact, and Gretchen mentions this in the book, as you become more tuned in to smell in particular and to noise, to sounds, you may notice a lot more disturbing or gross or whatever smells and sounds around you. So, you know, when we think about journaling the five sense experiences that we've had during the day, we might not want to come up with the things that are not savory, but, you know, I mean, those are the realities of the experiences of our life. But she suggested doing this at the end of the day, just to make note of what those tastes were. What did you see? And it occurred to me to think about how could I engineer that a little bit? How could I plan for more beauty in my day? How could I ensure that I hear something beautiful during the day? Um, because for me, I tend to default at this point more to podcasts than to music. And so reading this book, among other things, has caused me to think more about how I can integrate music into our home. You know, if I'm not going to listen to music as much in the car, because I do like to consume podcasts that way, you know, maybe I do have music on when I'm in the bath or when I'm just simply around in our home, you know, cleaning or getting dinner ready or whatever those things might be. How could I incorporate music more for my enjoyment? So again, taking note at the end of the day of what your five sense experiences are, what was the thing you touched that was most memorable? And if you find that those experiences aren't unique, maybe thinking about ways that you might engineer those a little bit. 
and also being open to the fact that some of those experiences are not going to be necessarily pleasurable. One of the other activities that she described was creating a five senses portrait. You could do either a self-portrait or portraits of perhaps your loved ones. So thinking about when you think about a person that you love, for example, what are the sights that you associate with that individual? Maybe it's them sitting at the table, reading their paper and drinking their coffee in the morning. Maybe it's a particular way that they wear their hair. You know, what are the scents that come to mind when you think of that person? And really, it just simply being a very different way of remembering and thinking about the people that are in our lives, in addition to simply a photograph. That said, and the third activity that she described that I'll, I'll share with you as well, was creating an album of now. So she went around her home, opening up her cabinets and her medicine cabinet and everything, and just taking pictures of all of it, taking pictures of the things that she sees every day in her day-to-day life. And I will tell you, I loved this because when my husband and I have moved from both of our previous two residences, I have realized how few photographs I have of those places. You know, we take photos in special occasions and holidays and when things are decorated or whatever, but we don't take pictures of the space where we spend every day. You know, I have, and in fact, I posted it on Facebook this week because it was a memory from last year. I have one photo of my current office where I've you know, started a coaching business and started a podcast, you know, we'll move from here and all of this will fade into my memory. But it's been an impactful period of my life. And so what could I do? What could I take pictures of just to save, right? And since we do all have our phones absolutely everywhere, why not? Why not take some what seems like boring pictures of the places where we live and of our daily lives so that we can remember those. So that's something that I for sure plan to do and love the idea of. So there are a couple of things that she presented in the book that I want to tie in directly with things that we have talked about on the podcast. One of which is how we can use each of our five senses to downregulate our nervous systems, to offer ourselves some calm and relaxation. And so I'm going to talk just briefly about each of the five senses and some ways that you might use those purposefully to offer yourself some some calm, some soothing. So thinking about sight, what colors are calming and soothing to you? What sights are pleasant to you? I think I have talked on this podcast, and perhaps I haven't, um, but about the idea of orienting to pleasure. And this is something that I was introduced to by Louise Lewis, who I interviewed on a podcast, I think maybe number 39. Um, but certainly you can go back and find it, Louise Lewis, and orienting to pleasure. So as we're sitting in a space, looking around and allowing your eyes to fall on something that brings you some type of joy, even if it's you know, light joy, but what, what is something pleasant to look at? So having something nearby that is a beautiful piece of art or a poem or something quirky, you know, whatever that thing might be that you enjoy looking at. I really enjoy my bookshelves with my green plant, with everything, you know, arranged by color. It's very Pinteresty. It's a little unlike me, but you know what? I love having my books over here. That brings me pleasure. And it's also a soothing space. So adding a little green to your space, like I've done here, is soothing. I have a green 
succulent triptych out in the hallway. Again, that's just simply visually very soothing. And that's something that I have done in this space is to integrate a lot more color, but against what is a very soothing backdrop. So what might you do visually to soothe in your space? Sounds. So thinking about sounds, again, that are relaxing to you. And so this might be soothing music, relaxing music, as I talked about, you know, having music on when you're in the bath or something like that. It also might be loud music on the way home from work when you're a little bit exasperated or to energize you going into the office, you know, whatever that might look like. How can you bring sound in effectively to raise your mood, to improve your mood, if that's what you're wanting to do? Smells. Something, you know, I have, I have a slight allergy to a lot of sort of chemicals, right? So like bath products and laundry detergent and things like that. And so for years, we have used scent-free laundry detergent. And so finally we went because I was just simply tired of it. And we went and found some that have some scents that we can use that I can kind of get away with that don't quite bother me, but almost do. Um, But so that they have different scents. And we rotate through a series of different scents so that things don't smell the same all the time and we have the enjoyment of that scent. Similarly, because bath products do bother me, I've used a lot of, of unscented stuff for years. And so I've now found some brands of bath gel and body wash that are scented that I can use without causing my skin irritation and really taking advantage of and enjoying those. I mean, how often do you grab your body wash in the shower and you just use it? You don't smell it. You don't need to smell your body wash. And actually, why the heck not? If it's perhaps energizing in the morning, something citrusy or Irish spring or whatever. So again, thinking about how you can do that. Touch. What are, what are, textures um, and feels that are soothing to you? Do you enjoy, you know, silky fabrics? Do you enjoy velvety fabrics? You know, what are those types of things? And thinking about your clothing and when, when you're selecting clothing, maybe when you're choosing new clothing, intentionally planning for comfort and how fabrics feel against your skin and planning for that, how it, how something feels on you and whether or not that's soothing and comforting because it can be think about we've all been in a place during the day where we're wearing something that is just it's either a little too tight or it doesn't fit right or it pulls over here or the fabric's a little scrunchy and you just can't wait to be wearing something different and to get into something more comfortable so maybe planning your wardrobe more intentionally with comfort in mind And then taste as well. So something, you know, we've talked on the podcast previously about our vagus nerve and how stimulating our vagus nerve, which is one of the cranial nerves, which goes throughout our body and touches so many of our organs. It activates our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest, our calming side of our nervous system. Sucking on something like a hard candy can help to stimulate that parasympathetic side of your nervous system and be very calming as well. So again, those are just some ideas using your five senses that you can use to integrate more calm into your life. The book that we are reading this month in the book club is, I mentioned previously, Bittersweet by Susan Cain. And it's been interesting for a number of reasons to read these books one after another, because Gretchen's book has been such a, was such a sort of high, playful book. And Susan Cain's book is, um, it's really about the bitter and the sweet, how the things that are 
good and bad come together, the light and dark coming together within our lives. And I said it's been interesting for a number of reasons. One is simply the juxtaposition because reading life in five senses and then going to bittersweet feels like hmm, light and dark. And it's really not quite that stark, but it feels a little bit that way. Also, bittersweet doesn't really feel like a summer read for me, but that was that was on me. That was my, my book selection. But what bittersweet talks about is the poignancy of light and dark, of good and bad, and the way that it comes together in our lives. And so as I have thought about that concept on the heels of life and five senses, I'm reminded of what I shared you, for example, about scent. When perfumeries are creating these gorgeous, wonderful smells, there's something a little rank in there. It's just interesting, right? Interesting too, in Bittersweet, she talks a lot about sad music or melancholy music and how many of us love it. And it was so interesting in our book club group, how many of us were like, oh yeah, I love sad music. You know, I realized reading this book, you know, if I'm picking lists on Spotify, especially if I'm picking lists like of, of, or playlists rather of music that I don't know, I'll go to sad pop or melancholy instrumentals or dark cello um, because I'm, I'm typically going to enjoy those. And it's not that they make me sad and it's not that I'm in such a dark place. I need dark music, but there's something about them that that I love and apparently that a lot of us love. And so going back a little bit to that idea of how we can use music to curate an environment that's calming to us, you know, recognizing that there are times when we like those minor keys, when we enjoy that melancholy music, and when that might be what soothes or relaxes us. Being aware, again, that opening yourself up to the wider exploration of your senses means that you will experience both more beauty and more ugly in the world. I talked in a previous episode about the idea of life being perhaps 50-50 and that we often think when something has, when something is other than the way that we want it, that it has gone wrong. And I'll talk more about this when I eventually talk about bittersweet, but thinking about our five senses and recognizing that it's not bad, actually, if we become more aware of a little bit more of the ugly in the world, as we're becoming aware of more beauty, that that actually doesn't mean something has gone wrong. And I'm curious how that lands for you. So so those of you that want to can certainly reach out in my DMs or via email and let me know what you think about that concept. So another way that this work in the five senses has tied back for me mentally on things that I talk about on the podcast is the idea of breaks. You know, I talk a lot about this idea of how we can engage in focused work very purposefully and then find good ways to rest, restorative ways to rest, even for a couple of minutes in the middle of the workday, or again, in the evening or in the weekend. And I think we've talked already about some ways that we might integrate our senses during those longer breaks in the evening, or even on the weekend. Um, but also thinking about how we might purposefully do that in our short breaks during the day. I find those short breaks during the workday to be incredibly hard to make myself do. But how could I purposefully choose to plan those breaks around my five senses. 
maybe not taste if I'm trying to lose weight, but how could I use scent? You know, what, what could I do on a break for just a couple of minutes that incorporates scent? Obviously, getting outside, I always recommend as a way to engage in these breaks, seeing some beauty, smelling the out of doors, hearing different sounds in nature. You know, again, just how can we think about music? Of course, another one um, I think I've suggested here and, and maybe in my uh, burnout workshop, you know, if you have an office door you can close, putting in some earbuds and enjoying some music in your office. Um, while you're on a break can be a great way to to relax as well and to really get your mind away from what you're doing because taking a break is not as effective if you don't actually allow your mind to also exit what you're doing. And the third application, we talked earlier this summer, gosh, actually this spring about spring cleaning and ways to declutter. So when we're thinking about decluttering our space, you know, often we tend to think about sort of these things almost as vanity, but you know, how can you think about having a visually beautiful space to work in? How can you think about having a, um, you know, rich sound? And maybe that sound is quiet for you. What might you do to make your bedroom darker at night? You know, really thinking through from a sensory perspective, how you can tweak and tune your environment by introducing things that bring beauty where you can and removing things that detract from that space. And of course, we won't be able to detract from all of them. And we've talked about the value of some of those detracting things earlier in the podcast. But what can we do to tune our environment based on our five senses? All right. So that's our episode. And that is what I have come away with from Life in Five Senses by Gretchen Rubin. So do check it out if you would. I am not an affiliate for the book, so I do not get any kickback if you buy the book whatsoever. So this is just my my enjoyment of the book as a reader and as a reader with particular interests that many of you share since you're listening to this podcast. And I hope that it has brought something to you, even if you choose not to read the book. Of course. If you are interested in participating in our next book club in August, we're going to be reading Humor Seriously. Why Humor is a Secret Weapon in Business and Life and How Anyone Can Harness It, Including You. This is by Dr. Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonas. And these are professors at Stanford University School of Business. Obviously, a book about integrating humor in life and work. And it'll be, again, a little bit of a lighter application after we have finished Bittersweet, but I'm looking forward to it. This falls into the area of personal development adjacent works, perhaps, but I think it's going to be a fun read. And I will say we are really enjoying participating in this book club. If you would like to participate, there will be a link in the description of this podcast on the podcast players or on YouTube where you can click on Facebook to join our group. And that would be the entryway into the group. Know that not a lot of activity is going to actually happen until August but we'll begin reading the book in August. So if you're interested, you do want to go ahead and get it from your library or your bookstore or wherever. So the other thing that I will mention is that I do have a burnout workshop available for free for download. If you are interested in that, you want to go to stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash burnout, and it will ask for your email address, and then it will provide you with a link where you can 
view and download that burnout workshop. It's about an hour, a little more than maybe. Um, very applicable, readily accessible workshop on some things that you can do to tackle burnout in your own life. And I've gotten really good feedback on it. So I would be interested in hearing what you think about it as well, but certainly reach out and avail yourself of that resource. And if you would like to ask me any questions about things that you've heard today about life in five senses or how I've applied this to other work of my own, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Those are the best places to reach me. LinkedIn, probably even better than Facebook because sometimes there's a lot of noise on Facebook and it's hard to tell the real people from the bots sometimes with the messaging. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. And I hope you will join me back here next week for our next episode. My plan for next week is actually to do a, a retrospective of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast over the course of the last year. So I do hope you'll join me back here for that here or on YouTube. It's been a pleasure to be with you and chat with you. And I hope to see you again next week. Bye. Bye.